0: This teaching is from City Church Coventry. You can find us online at www.citychurchcoventry.org
1: Sometime last year it was that there was a a men's meeting of some description, I don't if it was men's or husband's meeting, at, uh, at Ben and Charlotte's. Um, And, uh, during the course of the evening, Ben posed a general question uh, asking us all, um, were we we seeing fruit in a particular area of our lives? And, uh, when he asked that question, it set me off on a train of thought and meditation that's stayed with me, really, over the last, probably 12 months since we had that meeting. And, uh, I just thought I'd share with you this evening some of the the products of what I felt God was was um, was given to me um, as a result of those um, you know, that question that Ben had posed. So my apologies this morning if you were actually at that meeting on that night. The only one that I can see here probably besides Ben is John was there uh, because you might have heard some of what I'm going to share this morning again but maybe it's a reminder. So um, let me, uh, there, there was a particular scripture that the Lord led me to read on that evening, and and I'm going to turn us to that right at the beginning of our time together, and Chris is going to very kindly come out and read it to us. Uh, So if you'll turn with us to John chapter 15, please, and we're starting to read at verse 1, and then we're going down to verse 17. Thanks, Chris. Uh,
0: So this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, John 15 and verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does does bear fruit he prunes, so that it it will bear even more fruit. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands, and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. Thank you, Chris. What translation was that, please?
1: Oh, and Ivy. All right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Great. Well, keep, keep that open, if you would, please, because I'm going to be referring to a few verses in there. But um, just for a minute, I just want to pop it on the, uh, on the back burner and just ask a, another question to us. Who can, who can remind me of the, the preaching theme, if you like, that we've been looking at since the autumn time last year? Anybody? Building the house, thank you. Thanks, Simon. I'm glad somebody did. Building the house, that's right, great. And um, <clears throat> if, we, um, if we think back now to Old Testament times, when um, King David uh, had it in his heart at one point to build a house for God, um, he said this about it. <clears throat> In actual fact, uh, Nathan the prophet came to him um, when he declared that he was going to do that. Um, He came to him uh, to bring the word of the Lord, saying that you're not the man to do it. But uh, David, probably being the man he was, he couldn't keep his hands off the project. But he he did declare what his vision was for the house that was to be built. Uh, And you can find it in 1 1 Chronicles chapter 22 and verse 5. You don't have to turn to it I'll read it to you. But if if you particularly want to, feel free to do so. But part of what he says is this. The house that is to be built for the Lord must be exceedingly magnificent of fame and glory throughout all lands. It must be exceedingly magnificent, famous and glorious throughout all the nations. That's David's description. And uh, I believe that a a principle which Ben often refers to, uh, but Paul highlights, that applies right the way uh, through scripture. The principle of first the natural, then the spiritual, applies to this statement that David's made here. So, uh, the house that's to be built for the Lord in these latter days, and which indeed the Lord is building in these latter days, also... Has to be exceedingly magnificent, a fame, famous, and glorious throughout all nations. And the Lord is building His house in these days throughout all nations. That's a great encouragement when you see when you see opposition to to Christ rising, even amongst us in this nation. That the Lord's building His house. And he's building it, and it's rising up, and it's going to be glorious and famous throughout all nations. Um, But obviously, to be a magnificent structure, you're going to need magnificent materials. And you and I now are actually living materials um, there's a verse in 1 Peter, again, I'll read it to you, you don't have to, to turn to it. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5 says this, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We're living stones, you're a living stone. Turn to your neighbour and say, you're a living stone. <laughs> <clears throat> you're a living stone and as I've just said the materials that are to build the house are to be magnificent how magnificent do you feel this morning let's declare that together I feel magnificent this morning after three, one, two, three I feel magnificent this morning and you are now <clears throat> um stone masonry is actually not a common trade nowadays but traditionally a mason who worked, would work on the stones he would seek out the best materials and then proceed to skillfully dress them to bring out what he was seeing in those stones to make a, a uh, make the structure and uh, and it's it's he is the lord who is um who does the skillful dressing of the the living stones from which the house is being built in these days. He is the mason. And all those stones have been handpicked for a location and position in the glorious structure that he's building that's now underway. Handpicked for location and position in the structure. But how is the mason doing his work in these days? Well, that's what I want us to have a look at. Back in those verses that we've read in John chapter 15. Um, so, if we if we go back to that passage of scripture now that Chris read for us, and in John chapter 15 and verse 8, I think I'm going to have to take these glasses off because they're making the job even worse. <laughs> I've never managed to get a decent pair of reading glasses. John chapter 15, verse 8. <clears throat> it, says, it says this, and as I quote these verses, they might differ a little bit from, from what Chris read out because I've, uh, I've recorded it in a different translation, the ESV actually. Chris will, Chris will uh, be on, on track with me. Yeah. Verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Remember, we're looking to see how the Mason, the Lord Himself, is dressing and preparing these stones to build up a house that's glorious and famous uh, throughout all lands and exceedingly magnificent. And we've just seen that. <clears throat> and. Uh, the spiritual house that the Lord is building will manifest increasing glory. The Lord will be glorified as the living stones, you and I, grow in fruitfulness. Now, fruit, natural fruit anyway, has a glory of its own, a natural attractiveness to the senses. Doesn't it? it's, uh, it's colorful, for one thing. You can get reds, greens, yellow, bananas, uh, oranges, yeah, oranges. It's colourful, attracts your eye. When you go around the supermarket, the fruit will attract your eye. The root vegetables not quite so attractive. Uh, no less nu- nutritious, though, but fruit will smell nice and it's nutritious. <clears throat> and, um, and fruit, as it manifests in us will be attractive to the world. It will attract the attention uh, attention of the world that is increasingly driven uh, by its natural senses, isn't it? Um, So the house that the Lord is building and the Lord himself will be glorified as the living stones, you and I, become more fruitful and grow in fruitfulness. Now, have a look at verse 16 in that passage that that Chris read for us, John chapter 15. Verse 16, it says this. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. I think in the NIV that Chris read, it said remain. That your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And if we just think about that word appointed now and the meaning of the word appointed, uh, what does it mean? It means decided on beforehand, doesn't it? Uh, Designated, chosen, ordained. God has ordained us to bear fruit, each one of us. Um and personally I don't believe I'd be doing violence to the translation if we use the word called called because I believe that we've been called to bear fruit <clears throat> so to bear fruit is our appointment and our calling and uh, let me ask you this question have you ever wondered about what your calling is in the lord Have you ever wondered about that? Put your hand up if you've ever wondered that. Yeah, probably all of us have. Well, let me encourage you this morning not to become preoccupied with, am I called to be an apostle? Or am I called to be a prophet? Am I called to be an evangelist? Because if we actually focus on the clear callings that are upon us all in Scripture... Any others will, will become manifest in the fullness of time. We're called to go and bear fruit. If you look through the scripture, you'll find also, 1 Corinthians 17, you're called to peace. God has called us to peace. We'll see in a minute that peace is actually a manifestation uh, of the fruit that we're we, uh, called to, to, uh, to develop to grow. You're called to peace. Um, So let's concentrate on the the clear scriptural callings uh, and not worry about whether we're called to be be a particular ministry. That will become clear and recognized in you um, in the fullness of time. But you and I are called, God has called us to bear fruit. We can be confident of that. But what sort of fruit? Well, uh, what is he talking about in the the passage? Well, to quote a man that we all know, uh, Tony, Tony Ling, let the Bible interpret the Bible. And uh, and so to find out what fruit we're being expected to manifest as God's people in these days, as, as as the house, the glorious house that he's building up, um <clears throat> let's let's look in the scripture but as a general answer i would suggest that the fruit that we're expected to manifest is everything to do with the life of jesus everything to do with the life of christ uh, for instance to manifest the likeness of christ godly character and in particular as outly, uh, outlined in Galatians chapter 5. Which it would be good for us to turn and look, to, look at together. Galatians chapter 5. Verses 22 and 23. Which some of us may know. But let's read them together anyway. Galatians 5. <clears throat> 22 and 23. But the fruit of the spirit. Is love. Joy. Peace patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And I uh, I said earlier, didn't I, that fruit is eye-catching, and the delight to the senses uh, in themselves. And... um, I also said that our society is in, increasingly um, led by its senses. And, uh, and so I sometimes ask myself, do my encounters with people in the world uh, cause the, the senses in the people that I meet to taste Christ? Uh, do they detect Christ in me? Do they detect the heavenly flavor or the aroma of Christ? Um, Does the world taste uh, Christ in the fruit of my daily living, in my speech or in my behavior uh, towards them? One little confession I've got to make this morning is that I'm not a great fan of doorstep tradesmen, people knocking on the door to to try and sell me things. There seems to be a great um, number of charities knocking on my door, trying to persuade me to take out a bank direct debit uh, to their particular charity. And I'm not saying that these charities are not worthy causes, but, you know, I always politely... Well, I hope this is the point I'm making. I hope I politely decline them, decline their uh, invitation. But um, I've often closed the door and thought to myself, "Have I uh, portrayed an irritated spirit to this individual when they've, you know, when they've they've left?" Um, (laughs) I always remember one one chap trying to. sell me maintenance on the gutters and things and uh, I was rather irritated that again that he knocked on the door at all and I only partially opened the door to me and he was trying he was trying to drum up some business with me and he gave me this leaflet so I took it off him politely which I always do and uh, listened to his, uh, his spiel and then at the, at the very end of it I just politely declined him it declined his offer Uh, at which point he he leaned into the house and took hold of the leaflet and took it away from me. (laughs) So I thought, he's he's picked up that I wasn't really... But that sort of thing um, causes me to question, are people picking up the aroma of Christ in me? Are people detecting uh, the flavour of Christ in me? And it's a challenge to me. And um, I think that when people... Well, the fact of the matter is, when people encounter you, when people encounter Ben, when people encounter Dave, they're encountering Christ. And as they leave us, we trust that the impression, something of the impression of Christ will have been left upon them. <clears throat> so that's, that's a personal challenge that I'm working at. I need to, I need to be more fruitful in that particular area. Uh, but we called to bear fruit and there is, there is much that we could develop the whole subject of, uh, of, of the fruit that we're expected to manifest. But if we start with those that are in Galatians 5, they're, a, they're, a, they're, a, they're an excellent starting point. But if you look at them, um, <clears throat> the fruit of the Spirit is, is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Um, You know, there's a big picture of Jesus there, isn't there? All right, then, back in that passage, John chapter 15, let's turn to verses 4 and 5. in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides abides in the vine neither can you unless you abide in me I am the vine you are the branches whoever abides in me and I in him he, he it is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing apart from me you can do nothing apart from Jesus you and I cannot do a thing and that verse is telling us, therefore, that without abiding in him, um, we cannot, we can't do anything at all. But without him, we certainly cannot bear fruit. So what's the remedy of that, of that, for that that Jesus gives us? He tells us to abide in him. And uh, another word definition again. If you think about the word abide, what it actually means and what I noticed was, actually, when I, when I did a bit of research about the meaning of the word abide, I found that in recent times the, its, its meaning had slightly changed, as words, the meaning of words often do, by uh, misuse often. Or, uh, um, <clears throat> and so we, we had to go back a little bit to what its original meaning was. And um, it means things like to stay or to remain, as the NIV used it, as Chris read out to us, or to remain fixed in a certain state, or to continue in a a state that we're in. It actually comes from an old English word, which I think is abidan. I wasn't around in old English times, which I think were before the Normans, weren't they, old English times? Um, But it means to wait. It means to wait. And, uh, uh, last, last week, I think it was, um, I, Pat and I were at, we were at Ben and Charlotte's and, uh, Saturday afternoon. And afterwards we went to the car park, to, uh, to Asda. And, uh, it was a cold day and, um, uh, pulled up in the car park and I had my coat in the back and I, you know, Pat was all, all, coated up and everything, and I she got out of the car, and I got out of the car, and she was off to the, to the, to Asda it was, Asda, um, but I got out the door, and I had to get my coat on, and I had to sort the car out, so I shouted after, if you, if you wait, I'll go with you, and, um, at, at which point, she, uh, she just stood still and waited for me, and, um, but uh, it was interesting, the Lord said to me afterwards, how many times have I said that to you? If you wait, I'll come with you. Uh, but the Lord wants us to wait to wait in him and wait for him. Judah Cole's message last week, if you remember, was what? Can you remember what he said? Be still. Be still. His title was Be Still. Judah's grandfather uh, saved his life by abiding out of sight, didn't he? Um, on that night when the when the paratroops landed. And he will do his work in us uh, of producing fruit in our lives as we abide in him, as we wait in him, as we remain in him. Um, and if we do abide in him, his promises that he will abide in us. You know, there's, there's a verse in James 4, James 4, verse 8, that says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. So any approach that we make towards the Lord is met by a consequent approach from him. That's a a promise uh, that we're assured of. So if we abide in him, if we remain in him, he will will abide with us and remain with us. Um, So to bear fruit, the point I want to make is to bear fruit, we must remain connected to the vine at all times, at all times. Why? Well, if you think about a vine, I'm not a horticulturalist, I'm not even a gardener, but as I understand it, a vine will draw nutrients (coughs) up through its roots from the soil and it'll it'll distribute those throughout the whole of the plant and into the branches via the sap, Um, eventually producing blossoms from which fruit uh, will appear after its type. And on a vine it would be usually some sort of grape, will not it? Uh, the produce of which we can all enjoy at some point or other. Uh, but the branches do not produce the fruit of themselves, but rather it's the vine who produce, that, that produces the fruit. As it pumps its life it's around, it, as it pumps its life-giving sap, around the whole of the plant. And if you think about that, just stop and think about that, it takes all the stress and all the strain about producing fruit, about the challenge to to produce fruit. And it takes all the stress and strain out of it. Because all you and I need to do is to remain connected to the vine. We just have to remain and abide in the vine. Yeah, amen. And if we abide in Jesus, he will produce supernatural fruit. And that's then the world will begin to see the glory of Christ in each one of us. As they encounter us, they'll taste and smell the aroma of Jesus. <clears throat> an apple tree doesn't have to work to produce apples, does it? It simply is an apple tree and the branches remain in the apple tree and they blossom. We're coming up to apple blossom time soon, aren't we? And eventually they'll produce fruit. Amen. We simply have to stay, to remain, to be still and to wait. Our focus is to be on abiding in the vine and not focus on producing the fruit you know, we'll find people will say to us, people will recognize the fruit of the spirit in you as you focus on abiding in Christ as I was thinking about this I was reminded of a um, um, a hymn an old hymn which looking around the room probably nobody will have heard of but it's called constantly abiding anybody heard of it I was right I think Nobody hurt Sula. Sula has yeah yeah yeah. Yes. Well, I I can even sing it, Sula. So maybe we can do a duet sometime. But uh, that's something to look forward to, isn't it? That's not a comment on Sula's voice. It's more a comment on mine. Um, <clears throat> uh, It was actually written in 1908, which even I wasn't born in 1908, but but it was written by a lady called Anne Murphy, about whom is very little known, but it's certainly a a wonderful hymn, but Constantly Abiding. But that is what we're supposed to be doing, constantly abiding. And how do we do that? How do we constantly abide? Well, Uh, I haven't done done this yet, but uh, I will refer to Greek uh, with a deference to both Chris and to Sula. But apparently the the actual Greek word, which um, is translated in our Bibles, both remain and to abide, um, means uh, to remain as one. Now, this is ancient Greek, so maybe, well, even Sulu won't run. <laughs> uh, to remain as one. And we, we will abide as we simply prioritize in our Christian lives, remaining as one with Christ. Because um, Romans 10:9 and 10 says this, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead... Then you shall be saved, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Then again in 1 John 4 and verse 15, we read, Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. And so we see from from those two verses, we see that, uh, together. We see that at our conversion, our very conversion to Christ, that we become united with Him. And that it's at our conversion to Christ that we begin to abide in Him. Uh, and He begins to abide in us from that very moment. And we'll constantly abide as we remain at all times at one with Him. How do we do that? Well, being constant in that very confession which produced the new life of Christ in us and having our hearts settled in faith on Christ being constant in our confession and our hearts settled in faith on Christ we will abide in him and he will produce the fruit in us another historical challenge just to finish then Um, anybody heard of a an Simon then proceeded a lady to play "Oh Stow. Lord,
0: You're Beautiful" by Jesus no, Culture.
1: No. Who said yes? I haven't got my glasses on, sorry. So I can't, I can't, I can't see that. Anna, sorry, Anna. Go on, Anna. Who? What do you know about her? You've heard of her, right? She she wrote. A, she's famous for writing a, a novel called Uncle Tom's Cabin. Actually, um, about which William, um, Abraham Lincoln is supposed to have said when he met her that it was that little book that prompted the beginning of the American Civil War. Because she was a, a, an abolitionist, slavery abolitionist, but she was also a Christian. And uh, as I was doing a little, little bit of study, study for uh, for. For this this morning um, it turned up a quote or a, a passage from a devotional that she'd written on this on this very passage in Scripture and I just want to finish by <clears throat> and it's, it's a little bit of a summary really it just sums up all I've shared this morning and uh, I just want to read it to us and it's a it's a, a devotional comment on verse 5 in this book Uh, chapter 15 but she writes this how does a branch bear fruit not by incessant effort for sunshine and air not by vain struggles it simply abides in the vine in silent and undisturbed union and blossoms and fruit appear as spontaneous growth How then shall a Christian bear fruit by efforts and struggles to obtain that which is freely given? No. There must be a full concentration of the thoughts and affections on Jesus. A complete surrender of the whole being to him. A constant looking to him for grace. Amen. Why don't don't we stand together just as we finish? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. And I just want to do this just as we finish this morning. If, if you feel in any way um, that something that I've shared has, has prompted a... a, a Something of a decision or an awareness within you that um, that you may find difficulty waiting or you may find difficulty just um, remaining connected in any way. Um, I'd just like to pray for you this morning um, that the Lord helps you with that. So if you, you know, just as we've got our heads bowed and Let's just, uh, let's just do that. Do you lift your hand and let me see, uh, and I'll pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you this morning <clears throat> that you have no intention of, of, of causing us and giving us challenges that we should struggle and strive to attain. Father, and I pray now that in the name of Jesus, those who have lifted their hands to you, that Father, you will help them, that you will speak to them, and that by your Holy Spirit, you'll grant them the grace to know rest, know what it is to abide, to know what it is to wait, to know what it is to increasingly increasingly let the focus of their attention Throughout each day, Father, to be on Jesus and to rest in him. Father, I speak rest over each one this morning. Rest in Christ, Father, that together we might manifest the fruit that you've called us to. And that you might be glorified. In the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to this teaching from City Church Coventry. You can find more great teaching and other resources on our website at www.citychurchcoventry.org.